This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer. A free-for-all Friday. You're asking to hear something I don't want to say. But if I do say it, I think you ought to hear it. You got anything on your chest besides your chin, you better get it off. All right, then you asked for it. Yes, we did. So lay it on us. Free-for-all Friday means you set the tone. Here is Libby Snymer. Good afternoon and welcome to this Free-for-all Friday. It's actually been a few weeks since I've been here for a free-for-all Friday, so I am really looking forward to it. And as I say every week, there is a lot to talk about. So first of all, what did you make of that tearful apology from the Premier yesterday? Uh, now, uh, I don't doubt his sincerity, I have to say, but but this is not the first time he's emoted. And my observation is that uh, the emotion may be real, but it is not necessarily backed up by action. So uh, 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 that really uh, affects, I guess, certainly the way I view it. What about you? There are some people who, you know, give him a lot of credit for apologizing and are moved by it. Other people saying, oh, come on. So I would like to know what you think. Uh, We're awaiting yet another piece of guidance on the AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, the vaccine which has been the victim of just uh, uh, some of the worst communication I have seen on anything, anywhere, not just here in Canada, but elsewhere. Uh, So uh, they will finally weigh in on on, uh, who can use that vaccine. Remember, first they said, doesn't work on people over 65. So people who were between 60 and 65 got it first here in Canada. Then they said, yes, it's fine for people over 65. But then they said, oh, nobody under 55. So we will see what they have to say now. In the meantime, the provincial government has said uh, that it is okay for people under 55, and they've been taking it. And And here's a really interesting development that those of you who follow social media may have noticed. So it, it looks like Gen X People who are younger than uh, most of our uh, listeners here, people who are younger than baby boomers, Gen X, and, and maybe even some millennials are embracing the AstraZeneca vaccine that, frankly, a lot of baby boomers are kind of turning up their nose at and saying, gee, I'd rather have Pfizer or Moderna. And there's a hashtag for that, which is... Uh, something like Gen X Zeneca, you know, I should have, I should have checked it before I started talking about it, but it's an interesting intergenerational thing. And uh, I have to say, uh, you know, it's heartening to see the long lineups for some of those pop-up clinics in the high risk areas. So, you know, um, we were all worried about vaccine hesitancy and I'm sure it's out there, but it's good to see people lining up for the jab even though, unfortunately, the authorities say we're not going to vaccinate our way out of this. Let me give you the numbers before I take to the phones. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we begin with Holly in Toronto. Hello, Holly. Good morning, Libby. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Well, I have felt just terrific ever since I got my Pfizer vaccine on April 20th. Uh-huh. I, I got up and I thought, gee, I feel so full of energy. I went out and I walked two kilometers over to the beaches and two, and I just had a wonderful day. And I thought, gee, this is surprising. I thought I'd feel groggy or something or have a sore arm. So I was quite happy and content, and I thought, good, I've got my second vaccine to look forward to in August. So I happened to get a phone call this morning from a family member in Michigan, and he said, how are you doing? And I told him, I said, I'm I'm all set up. I've got my vaccine in August. And he said, well, that's no good. I said, what do you mean that's no good? He said, that's absolutely useless. 
you have to get your second vaccine within two weeks or the first vaccine is just useless. Okay, he doesn't know what he's talking about, so... Well, I don't know. He said, come down to Michigan. He said, you can get the vaccines everywhere. Okay, first of all, two weeks is too soon. So here is the situation with the interval. And there are some very legitimate concerns, and this applies to Pfizer and Moderna. In the trials, and those trials were really done in as big a hurry as possible, they tested it out with an interval between the first and second shot of 21 and 28 days, respectively. So you were supposed to get it uh, the second one after three weeks or after four weeks, because that's how they tried it out in the clinical trials. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't have enough vaccine for that. Now, in the real world, because remember, in the United Kingdom, most of that country's been vaccinated with AstraZeneca, and uh, they've been doing it for quite a while. So they have what's called real-world data. How is it working? So we've seen uh, in the United Kingdom uh, that a lot of it has stretched out, and in other countries as well, to three months 12, that's 12 weeks between the first and second dose. And we have seen that, that that's all right. Um, what Canada has done, they've said, okay, we are going to stretch things out to four months. Now, there's a lot of criticism of that. And I think it's legitimate because nobody else in the world is stretching it out that long. So, uh, it, it's a bit of an experiment. A lot of people are very concerned. I certainly understand their concern. Uh, you know, hopefully we end up getting more supply and, and we don't end up having to stretch it out that long. But, but that's what's happening. And, and let me just interject with a little bit of breaking news that Zeev, our producer, just sent me. And it says the federal government has reached a deal with Pfizer to con to secure 35 million vaccine booster shots for next year and 30 million for the year after that. So uh, the Pfizer supply is looking good. We've had issues with Moderna, and now it's looking like we're going to get issues with AstraZeneca as well. So, uh, Holly, that's that's my answer to you, uh, your cousin or whoever who said you have to get it in two weeks or it's no good. That's, that, that's really nonsense. And... Um, I don't know. Go, the, the borders are, you know, there are issues with crossing the borders and Michigan has a big, big outbreak. So, you know, if you travel there and you're traveling, I, I think you probably put yourself at a bit of risk. But I guess that's up to you. Well, I wasn't planning to go down there, but he said that it's so easy to get the vaccines down there. You can do it at the grocery store. Well, I, I think that that's true. Uh, they did a much better job of procuring vaccines and they are doing a better job of getting their population inoculated. There's no question about that. Well, he says that if I don't get it within two weeks, then I'll have to start again at the beginning. That's not true. Okay, so I would suggest uh, if 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 you don't want to take what I just told you, that you look it up, but you look it up from good sources, uh, you know, government sources, official sources, not not on Facebook and not from your cousin. Okay. Okay, but I think that four months is a long time to it wait is. for the 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 other vaccine. Absolutely, that's true. That's but, true, and people people are concerned. So, uh, Holly, thanks for your call. I encourage you to look these things up, but make sure you are going to reliable sources. Uh, this two weeks or it's no good. I mean, this is one of the things that has to be tested out. And when it comes to the AstraZeneca vaccine, it turns out that if you wait a little longer, it actually works better. So uh, just make sure, people, that you, you don't listen to bad sources. Holly, thanks for your call. Okay, let us go to Diane in Dunville. Hi, Diane. Diane, are you there? Yes, hi. Hi. Sorry, I was on mute. Um, I called yesterday and I tried to speak to you. I was very uh, interested in your interview yesterday with the minister I'm really glad that you picked up uh, to 
do this. It's um, you. It's a real good service you're providing. My uh, query is uh, why across the country we're going to do another statistical uh, number gathering scenario for long-term care. We obviously, in the world, they notice what's happened to us. We notice as Canadians. We don't want any more of this. We want these things fixed. And the way they have to be fixed is on the ground. And that, that's all health care. We have a, a, an emergency situation here in health care. And starting to put money out where they're going to make quality care, let's start with just doing it. This is the same thing we did before. Prior, maybe it was to prove to the public that the taxpayer, that these, this is where the money's got to go. Not now. I mean, if don't if everybody gets it, and everybody wants this change. We're Canadians. We can do better. Come on. I agree with you. We can do better. Uh, and Actually, it doesn't represent us in the United Nations. It doesn't. Re- it's embarrassing. Absolutely. And we have to stop this. this. This is exactly what happened, why the situation has evolved. Now, come on, let's change it and change it on the ground. Put the money where it's needed. And right now we have an emergency. And uh, I just hope that um, other people join this choir and they and and their voice is heard. It's like uh, uh, Bush just said in an in, uh, interview for 60 Minutes, he said he was worried about the people that were crossing the border and... Uh, the immigrant situation there, and he was doing paintings, and they asked him, do you think this is going to change anything? And I've worked for government. I've also sat on boards, and and he said, no, no. But what he said I hope for is that there will be a choir of people that will join in and stop this. Okay, Diane, thank you very much for your call. Let us go to Aldo in Etobicoke. Hi, Aldo. Hello. I think... The premier is a good actor, but the prime minister, he's the best. I think the prime minister should get an Academy Award for his acting ability. That's all I wanted to say. Goodbye. Okay, Aldo. Oddly, I, I, I know people who are actors who think that the prime minister is a terrible actor. But uh, I, I guess uh, that is a matter of opinion. Uh, who's a better actor? Let's go to... Dorothy in Oakville. Dorothy in Oakville. Hi, Dorothy. Hi. Hi, Libby. Hi. You're on the air. Go ahead. First, I'd really like to thank Dr. Lowe, Dr. Bogosh, Dr. Davila, and all the medical professionals for their leadership and crucial action in fighting the pandemic. Um, I'd also like to say Mr. Ford really needs to apologize for not enacting the Science Council's recommendations. I have two questions. If he's so sorry, why is he and his cabinet not implementing the recommendations? Is it because they lack the intellect to realize that the vaccine fairy is not the only answer and to comprehend the data? Or are they so indebted to the business buddies that are, our lives are expendable? And second, why are Dr. Williams and Mrs. Elliott acting as Mr. Ford's puppets and not protecting the public by advocating for the Science Council's recommendations? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I was going to say, you know, there are lots of different opinions on those science advisory boards, though some of them really are, uh, you know, they stretch across the board. And that's the one about sick days being critical and the fact that, that a lot of these outbreaks are in workplaces. But, uh, you know, when it comes to, he says... The, the way it works is that these advisory tables kind of report into Dr. Williams and Dr. Williams passes it on. And it's not clear to me that Dr. Williams is on side, as you point out. Now, what, one of the things that a lot of people have complained about and that, that Mississauga has even asked the premier to reverse, you know, he reversed the ban on playgrounds, but, but uh, the mayor, Bonnie Crombie, said, please reverse the ban on golf and, and tennis because people have to get some exercise. And, uh, it, uh, you know, I, I thought every science person is saying, you know, there is, it, there's never no risk, but uh, outdoor activities have a lot less risk. But it, it looks to me like that Williams doesn't want to do that that uh, closing those things uh, was probably his recommendation uh, because he thinks that when people 
uh, get together to do that, they will do things unsafely. It's not clear because part of the issue is that that nobody who makes these decisions actually takes responsibility for them. You know, they say, oh, I was just implementing what the province wants. And the province say, well, no, that's, that's, a, that's a local decision. And, and there are just so many cooks in there that it, it becomes impossible. Well, I'm really glad that some of the doctors have taken leadership roles, because without them, this, app, this pandemic would be even way, way worse. Okay, Dorothy, thank you for that. Thank you, Libby. I think, yeah, we, we are uh, all uh, grateful for those doctors. Let's go to John in Toronto. Hi, John. Hi. I'm, I'm disgusted in Mr. Ford's distraction attempt uh, yesterday with his crocodile tears. So people could go, oh, I feel so sorry for him. What's there to feel sorry for? He fired a doctor that made it clear that staying in clusters indoors is not healthy on January, I believe, 17th, 2021. He got rid of the other doctor who told the truth and said, you're going to have a bunch of false positives due to the lowered standard. So when he's firing people that are, he's blaming for this, saying, folks, my friends, it's not up to me, but we have the best and the brightest doctors and folks. I would set you free, but it's up to them. Like you said, Libby, he's pointing fingers in both directions. He's not taking accountability. And then when he hits the fan, they'll say, well, we're only doctors. We're not economists. He's the economist. He's the businessman. And they pass the buck. Okay, now, John, John. first of all, I have to say you, you, you've you got to work on your Doug Ford imitation, you know? I know. i got to be more raspy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it, you're kind of not there on, on that. And um, the only other thing, you know, uh, correction is that uh, certainly if doctors were fired, you might be able to argue that you think that, that there was some interference there, but it wouldn't have been Ford that fired them. Uh, maybe it was somebody who thought that's what Ford wanted. But, uh, yeah, um, it, it is all pretty messed up. And I'm sure you heard in our newscast that there's a new Angus Reid poll and, and things really are not quite looking good for the Ford government. And a lot of people blame them for this whole third, third wave, which they think was preventable. Well, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not uh, I, I don't know, it's a bit of a cast of a net you just threw at me there. But um, with regards to... Um with regards to uh, the police state that he threw at us last Friday, resulting in people being uh, insulted, assaulted, and basically bringing back carding, that reminds me of the days of Hitler when they said, where are your papers? What are you doing here? We don't, we don't need to go back into that. Those who forget history are condemned to repeat history again. And Ms. Bernstein taught us that Hitler said, if you keep people fearful, you can turn them into slaves. And when you repeat a lie through propaganda, especially if it's writing, in writing, on high loop, high rotation, every commercial, streetcar, bus, and train, people will end up believing it. Instead, I prefer to do independent research. And then okay, John. Like, uh, okay, John. You know, uh, honestly, uh, you, you can be against this government. Starting to compare it to Hitler, that's like way, way over the top. And uh, I think probably uncalled for. It's uh, time for a break. So we're going to take a break. Before we go, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back with more of your calls and your comments. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight back with Libby Snymer. When one considers the meaning of life, it is a struggle between alternative viewpoints of life itself. A free-for-all Friday. And without the ability to defend one's own viewpoint against other, perhaps more aggressive ideologies, then reasonableness and moderation could quite simply disappear. Name your topic and be as deep as you like, as long as there's a point in there somewhere. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back to this Free For All Friday, and the topic for the moment anyway, or at least one of them, is Doug Ford's tearful apology yesterday. What did you make of it? Do you buy it? Do you think he was acting? Uh, A lot of people seem to, and even if you believe he's sincere, is it enough? What do you think? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Murray and Malton, go ahead. Hello, Murray. 
Fine, how are you? Fine, how are you? Not bad. A couple of points. Did Doug Ford really get it wrong? And what's with the NDP and Liberal? Are they standing with the anti-lockdown group? Next, they're going to be with the uh, anti-maskers. Listen, uh, the doctors told them to limit mobility, and that's what he did. Now everybody's complaining. The Doug Ford doesn't want to shut down any more businesses. And thank you for bringing up the bus thing. Uh, it's not where you're going. It's how you're getting there, I think. Uh, yeah, but the, the, these outbreaks, a lot of these outbreaks have been traced to these big essential workplaces. And a lot of these measures aren't doing anything about that because those people have to go to work. Um, a lot of them are not eligible for paid sick days, and they literally have to choose between taking a paid sick day and putting food on the table or paying their rent. And yes, that exactly. is why for months, civic leaders, doctors have been calling for paid sick leave. It doesn't have to be permanent. It can be temporary. Uh, but that's what they've been calling for. And finally, finally, the government may be looking at it. But, uh, yeah, but and, with and, that being said, Libby, yeah. uh, it, paid sick days or no pay, paid sick days, Doug Ford doesn't want to duplicate anything. But stepping in, he's stepping in and bridging the gap now because uh, Justin Trudeau didn't want to do it. But with that all being said, right, Doug Ford was told to limit mobility. Right? So he can't shut down these companies because people would be out of work. So what's next? Well, well, uh, the, you know, they shut down some outdoor amenities uh, in a bid to limit mobility, and uh, he took a lot of flack for that. But uh, you think he? Do you think he's doing a good job, Barry? I think he's doing the best anybody can do. Right? There's, there's not much you can do. You can't take away people's workplaces anymore. So what do you do? You, you make people, well, this is a, the other thing. Doug Ford on his way home from pri on Friday, right, saw a park jammed with people and some people not wearing a mask. So naturally, I would too, right? Okay, well, if you, how many times do you tell your kid not to do something before you throw a punishment at them? If these parks are full of people, right, and there's no social distancing, you yell at them, right? When they're yelling at, they're not paying attention to what they're yelling. What else do you do? Okay, Marie. Thanks for your call. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Marie and Vaughn. Hi, Marie. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I basically agree with the, this caller just before me. Um, for one thing, yes, I do agree that um, essential workers should get uh, sick days accounted for when, you know, in this situation, um, they definitely need the time off to recuperate and so on. But I also uh, feel that Doug Ford is doing the best he can, given the situation, given the rebellious um, people that don't want to comply with anything. They want to have parties and they go ahead and sneak around and have parties, want to go to the park. For me, I think that the parks should be lockdown should be closed because kids play touch and, be, and within five ten minutes they're all over each other because that's what it what happens it's normal and people should have their kids play in in their area okay those that live in homes it's a bit easier to keep them in the backyard in apartments there must be some kind of a playground or parking lot in the in their apartment area that they can play i just feel that this is a, it's something that's never going to heal because people continuously want to do what they want to do. They take no ownership in the fact that I have to stay indoors. I have to go out the least possible. Like, it, it, there's no ownership, just complaints. And the same with the NDP and the Liberal. They're continuously complaining. Like, what would they do? Well, you we know? we actually talked to to Stephen Del Duca, and he laid it all out. But but you know what? I do agree with you that there does seem to be a lack of personal responsibility as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, uh, only complaints, no responsibility. Nobody I wouldn't say ownership. no responsibility. I, I would say a lot of people are being very responsible, and oh yes, and yes. then a lot of and them then. Are. There is, uh, you know, mm -hmm. a minority who kind of are wrecking it by not being responsible. I definitely think that that's a factor in all of this. Marie, thanks very much for your call. 
Thank you. And I do encourage society to take responsibility, ownership, and let's get this over with it because it's never. And I do have one more point, if I may. The outbreaks in the areas where the essential workers work. Hello? Yeah, yeah, just quickly, please. People are waiting. Sorry. Yes. Um, the, the flights from India have been, ba- uh, have been banned now. But I, I think a lot of people have been coming and going and, and most likely are, live in that area or are settled there, and they have brought, it, before this, the, this virus that's so bad now, even, you know, the, I don't know what you're, you're getting at. I don't even think we have that particular variant in our community yet. Marie, thanks for your call. Now let's go to a first time caller. Claire in Mississauga. Hello, Libby. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I'm calling in regard, uh, to the subject your first caller call, called about the extension of the timeline. Mm-hmm. There's a really good article in the Star this morning. I guess you didn't maybe read it by um, Eleanor Fish, who is a professor in the uh, University of Toronto's Department of Immunology, mm-hmm. and uh, another lady, Pamela Ohashi, also. And they do. They're emphasizing that how important it is for the second dose, particularly for health workers and those more vulnerable. Um, I won't obviously quote the whole article, but it does suggest that the RNA vaccines are different from traditional vaccines where a single dose will normally give you protection. With an RNA dose, the first dose initiates the protection process, but is only complete after the second dose. Yeah, well, you know, that is uh, the case for AstraZeneca too. You need a second dose. Yes, uh, but it does and, say and, that the AstraZeneca, uh, the real world um, experience, is that that can extend from four to 12, 12 weeks. Exactly. Does, and the 12 yeah. weeks might be better. I mean, yeah, the, the, the bottom line with, is it, that we don't exactly know with the mRNA vaccines, and I think that is a totally, and as I said, there've, there's been real-world data about extending the doses up to three months. Mm. Uh, no. That's okay, but but we are the only ones extending it up to four months, and, yeah. and totally that's a risk. It, it definitely is. It says it's all about the T-cells and how they you know, they're very important in the antibody response, and they definitely deteriorate when particularly in older people and uh, and more vulnerable people. But I just thought I'd throw it in because she mentioned it. Okay. Thank you, Claire, for your call. Thank you, Libby. Okay. Let's go to Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat. Good afternoon. I think the issue has been a lack of communication. Um, but you know, as, as you know, the, the problem has started with the lack of vaccines. And we can't control that. I mean, that's controlled by the suppliers. We don't have enough vaccine. So why don't we put it on a lottery basis? Or should we say there are only two shots per family? And if you have two shots per family, do you give two shots to one member, you know, give it to me and not give it to my wife? This is the issue we're facing. And people don't think outside the box on that one. But that's not the reason I was phoning. I was phoning with regard to uh, uh, Mr. Ford and uh, how he's being treated these days. But there's a very significant court case that started yesterday in London, Ontario, dealing with Mr. Ford and his Department of the Environment and how they're trashing the environment and the laws. Um, And you know that uh, our former mayor here, Crombie, he quit all about all of that. Well, and Mr. Ford gets all his political support from the developers. So we are only beginning to see the damage that Mr. Ford is doing to the environment. Um, so I'll leave you with that one. Okay. Yeah. We've, we've, uh, we haven't followed that recently, but yes, that has to do with the highway and with some of the, uh, green areas. And we have interviewed, Former Mayor David Crombie on that. The court case started in London, Ontario yesterday. 
and it's the Eastern Georgian Bay Protective Society against the against the government where they refused to publish information on what was happening in a very sensitive area. And the government, apparently the, the word came from somebody on high, just publish this, do, or do not publish this, just let it go. And that is the sort of thing that, Mer- that, uh, that the Ford is doing. And so we need to watch out for this man. I okay. Mean, so that's my take on it. Okay, thanks, Pat. All right, uh, let's go to another first-time caller, Dave in Oakville. Welcome. Hi, thank you very much for taking my call, Libby. Um, I just wanted to, uh, uh, to tell you that I, I got COVID. I was in hospital in um, Hamilton for uh, intensive care for wow. 10 days. And then I was in the uh, recovery wing for another 10 days. I got the uh, COVID virus while I was in another hospital um, in Hamilton. I was being treated for something completely different. Um, I was sent home uh, after spending 10 days there. Still wasn't feeling too good. Um, my wife wasn't feeling good. She went and got tested and got tested positive. Um, so then I, I tested positive as well. Um, because of my age and everything, I was uh, uh, sent to the hospital and put in intensive care. I'm my sorry, concern, when was this? Sorry to hear um, this. When was um, this? Uh, this was the beginning of March. Of, and, of this March? Yes. Okay. And my concern was I got the COVID virus from uh, a hospital that I was first treated to. Mm-hmm. My wife went online, saw that the ward that I was in um Online, it had said that I had an outbreak. I was never, ever notified that there was an outbreak in that ward that I should get tested. I wasn't the only person in that ward. Um, There was actually quite a few. And I just wonder how many more people in that ward and why why I wasn't notified um, by the hospital that there was an outbreak and to go and get tested. I did phone my local MP, Donna Skelly, uh, phoned her a couple of times and never got any reply. Um, That's a very good question, Dave, why you weren't informed. Like, definitely you should have been informed. Uh, I uh, I can't answer that, but you ask no, a very I, good I question. It was absolutely disgusting, and it could have maybe saved me from, or, or my wife getting COVID. Um and believe me, two weeks in intensive care with this thing is no joke. Oh my goodness! It's um, uh, well, I'm, well. I'm glad to to hear that you are on the mend. I, I'm I'm doing fine now. I'm not, but there was such a lot of miscommunication and answers. I was trying to figure out: Do I get the uh, inoculation? Do I get injected? Uh, some doctors said no because you've already got the. Uh, um, virus in you. And then when I went to the hospital on Monday, doctor who treated me, he said, yes, go and get it straight away. And yet two other doctors told me to wait for three months. Well, that's what, what I heard is that you, uh, you have to wait until after you're better. So I don't know, it's, it's, you know, this whole thing is so new. It doesn't surprise me when you get conflicting information and I'm not a doctor. So, but what I've seen is that yes, people who've had it should get inoculated, but it should be, you know, after they are completely better. But again, that's just me reading. Yeah, no, it's the total miscommunication and nobody really, really knows what's going on. Well, anyway, Dave, you take care. Thanks for calling. Glad that you're on the mend. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, let us go to Maggie in North York. Hi, Maggie. Hello, Libby. Um, I'd like to just throw in that I think it takes a big person to apologize. And someone who's so, you know, feet on the ground and I am the king kind of guy when he apologizes that's that's like clearing the air maybe now we could get somewhere he apologized i I think you should get points for for apologizing so publicly 
in such a, what's that word, a competitive job that he has. You know, lots of people watching his every move. That's what I wanted to say. Okay, Maggie, thank you for that. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. Time for another break. Let me give the numbers out again. We're having a very lively discussion on COVID, of course, uh, on the regime to separate the first and second doses of Moderna Pfizer for four months, which no other country is doing. We're talking about Doug Ford's apology. Some people are calling it crocodile tears. And our caller, Maggie, just got off the phone, is giving him big points, big credit for doing that in such a public way. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, Do you believe him? And is it good enough? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And we will be right back after the break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer, a free-for-all Friday. Step up, say your piece, and we promise not to interrupt. Just be lively about it. We have a lot of listeners hanging on your every word. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back to this Free For All Friday. And there is a lot to talk about, so I am going to go right to the phones. Donna in Toronto, hi. Oh, hi, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm just calling just to notify i'm a uh, breast cancer uh, i'm a stage four uh, breast cancer patient sorry to hear and, that well uh, i'm in my third year of treatment uh, humber river has done a wonderful job the doctors there and i'm very blessed the why i'm calling is that um uh, just to you know uh, uh, let you know uh, cancer care ontario has developed guidelines for all cancer centers regarding COVID testing and vaccinations. So for cancer patients, it's even a little bit more difficult when we're trying to arrange to make appointments. Uh, We're told we either hold off on our treatment for two weeks because they don't want us getting vaccinated while we're on treatment. Mm -hmm. So treatment is like 21 days and then seven days off. So they want us to... Uh, get the vaccine in those seven days. Mm-hmm. Well, that that makes sense. It depend, does. It depending does. on what kind of treatment you have. If yes. if you're having uh, chemotherapy, it's yes. it's it's a carpet bomb, and they don't want antibodies there. Yes, that might fight the chemotherapy, yeah. and and uh, your immune system is already weakened, and the whole thing, yeah, it's... It, exactly. I, my heart goes out to people, and even yeah. even this, you know, a lot of cancer patients' surgeries, mm-hmm. which are not deemed urgent, urgent, are being postponed, and it's, you know, it's elective is a, is a very interesting word to describe them. I mean, my, my heart just goes out to people. How are you uh, managing hanging yeah, in? No. I'm hanging in, I'm positive, and as I said, the, the, the cancer clinic, the support, and my doctor, she's a sweetheart, I, uh, she's uh, taught me many things, supportive family and that, and just focusing, uh, I, I, I'm very happy, Novartis uh, uh, came up with a, a therapy, a pill that I'm taking, it's my third year, results are good, but uh, of course, you know, you have to take care of yourself, your body, what you eat and things like that. But I just wanted to call in and say that because I got my letter. So I have to bring that letter with me to the, the clinic that Humber is uh, uh, doing because it shows that I am with them. And uh, I'll, hopefully this week uh, I can make a, we'll have arrangements when I can go in. Uh, to get the vaccine. Has, exactly, because it's got to be the week that I'm not on the therapy. Okay, well, all the best to you, and and thank you for letting us know about this. Oh, thank you for letting me uh, come on and let you know, and good luck, and I love your show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Let us go to another first-time caller, Dave and Whitby. Hi, Dave. 
Hey, Libby, how are you doing? Fine, how my, are you? My, Go ahead. Thanks. My, my question is, is the lack of manufacturing facilities in Ontario. And, you know, we don't have tax incentives set up so the pharma can spend money on research and invest in Ontario so we can have our own manufacturing area. I mean, we're, you know, bigger than some countries, and yet we don't have our own manufacturing facilities. We have, we have a little bit of one. Uh, so we have a little bit, and there was something in the budget that came down Monday. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, people are recognizing that we have to have more of our own capacity for sure. We, we just can't trust, we can't trust the, you know, the rest of Canada. It's, this is a war on, on provinces. You know, I'm sorry to say, but everybody is going to protect their own. And Ontario was really poorly prepared, uh, obviously, for this. There will be other viruses. This is not the last. And so it behooves us to be prepared. It's going to take two to three years to have the ecosystem in place for manufacturing our own uh, vaccine formulas. And I know I did see that a little bit of money, but we need to fast track that and, and control our own destiny because clearly we did not do a good job. Well, it's, it's, be- I, I don't think we're at war with the other provinces. They are being distributed such as they are on on a per capita basis, which seems fair. But uh, the government, the federal government, did not do a good job procuring them. Um, well, thumbs down Israel, for that. Funny, yeah, it's funny. Israel got a, got the, all of their people, popul- the whole population, uh, indoctrinated so quickly. And uh, I just wonder how great the negotiation skills were of Mr. Trudeau's team. Well, uh, yeah, and it's, but it's also Israel has a very centralized system. They agreed to give a lot of data, like a lot of that real world data comes from them. So they're really organized. They have electronic records that actually work. And they also have a population that's used to mobilizing quickly. So they got it together. Uh, and yeah, well, there are a whole bunch of, of reasons for that. And here we have 10 different health systems, uh, which makes the whole thing like herding cats. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. But it's a supply and demand issue. And I, I hope you would, uh, you know, I mean, we pray that we get uh, better at it next time. That's, that's my two cents. Okay. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Okay. All right. Uh, Daryl in Toronto. Hi, Daryl. Hi, how you doing today? Fine, how are you? I'm hanging in. Anyway, uh, my, my question is, considering that they can't count on their supply chain as something that's been prominent in the next week or two, even, and they're constantly being canceled, um, what, what basis does that, do any of us have to figure that four months from now, for a second shot, that they'll even have the supply? Well, that's a good question. They keep telling us about new deals with Pfizer. So that seems to be secure. There are issues with Moderna because of their production. Now we've got an issue with AstraZeneca because we were getting it from the Serum Institute in India and they uh, need it for their own population. They are in very dire straits in India. Uh, we might be getting some from the United States where they don't want to use it. And, and speaking of Israel, I, I just read that Israel might want to get rid of its AstraZeneca supply because it doesn't need it. So hopefully we can get some of that. I mean, I, I've heard talk about possibly vaccinating, giving people a second dose that's different from the first dose, but I, I don't know that there's any evidence that that's a safe thing to do. Well, likewise, there's no evidence that it's safe to wait four months. That's I mean, I right. I really don't trust nasty, nasty, whatever it is, but they're flip-flopping. Right, right, no- right on. Uh, <laughs> I have to agree with you. I'm not sure I trust nasty either. But uh, so, the, 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 right now, four they're... Four months is just like, we can't deal with this right now, so we'll throw four months out at them. If it comes in a little sooner, it will look great. If, you know, four months pass by. My, I just got the Pfizer uh, this coming Tuesday. It'll be two weeks since I got it. Okay, well, and, good for you. You've got and, you've got some protection. You got yeah, f- but but if if Moderna ends up flopping out and they're switching to Pfizer and AstraZeneca, then even the four months from now, I feel like you know how do I know that there's going to be any 
of the Pfizer available. Well, they've, they've just they've they've signed a bunch more deals with Pfizer, and Pfizer seems to be delivering. We just announced one, but it's it's more than four months from now. It's for next year and the year after. But they have announced more deals with Pfizer, mm-hmm. uh, and as I said, they seem to be delivering on them. So yeah, um, I don't blame you for worrying about it though. Not at all. And, and why at this point, you know, we're a year plus into this, why are they not building a facility to manufacture here through a license with, with any of these companies such that we're taking pressure off, you know, the supply to the rest of the world and we're looking after ourselves at the same time? Yep, yep. All good questions. Daryl in Toronto, thank you. Okay, I'll be running for his office. <laughs> okay. <gasps> right. Who wants to do that? Uh, I'm going to read part of an email that I got from someone reacting to a call that we had yesterday. There was a woman named Tammy, and she works in long-term care. And she was saying that even as the government, the Ontario government, is making all these noises about boosting long-term care and working its way up to four hours of care, she's talking about her for-profit home cutting back on staff. And we just got an email from somebody who signed as a concerned senior, and she's saying there's a definite shortage of staff that in her home, housekeeping staff will be called to help a personal support worker with lifting a patient or doing jobs like that, and the facility will not hire more people or and instead stretch their staff to the limit. Uh, the conclusion is that something needs to change now, and, and I think all of us agree with that. Something needs to change now. We hear these noises, good noises about what's happening, and then you find out that on the ground it is a very, very different story. Okay. Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Yes. Uh, Mr. Ford said he was for the people. That was his claim to fame, only to backstab his former supporters and call us yahoos. If you look at the old age homes, the conditions are deplorable. The staff are unionized, overpaid, and they want to be paid to go home. I don't support paying people. Well, they're, they're, no, 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 no. They're, some of them are unionized and some of them are uh, work in very poor conditions for very low pay. They don't have full-time jobs. They don't they they don't have benefits. So yeah. I'm I'm not sure what you're they referring deplor- to. The deplorable deplorable conditions that were discovered by the I think they were the army that went in there. And That's right. That they were mostly feces and urine and feces everywhere. And you think that was? I don't think that was the homes that were well staffed by well paid people. It was the opposite. <laughs> And, and if you look all these months later, these places are still still disgusting. That's what's killing the old people. Okay, Bob. Uh, I think we have a little problem with some of the facts on that. It was a terrible situation. Okay, uh, let's go to Tom and Ajax. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, I'm getting a little worried about how long it's going to take to get out of this because in this country, we do not have a strong, bold, dedicated individual who's willing to stand up there and just take charge of this thing, um, like who would have thought Boris Johnson did in in England. He kind of just invoked Winston Churchill and said, okay, look, this has come off the rails. I have the ability to save your lives, and I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. And when it comes time to vote, ask yourself, how am I allowed to stand here and vote? And 100,000 other people are not. I don't even see anybody waiting in the wings to step up to leadership that has that strong backbone, take charge uh, type of mentality that we seem to have lost in our politics. When did we have it? Uh, the last time, I think, was when Jean Chrétien stood up to the uh, separatists to go back and said, you want to separate? You go ahead. We're moving all the military out. You get no transfers from Canada. And you have to come up with your own currency or buy ours. Okay. Uh, there's an answer. There's there's an answer. I, I agree with you that our leadership is 
lacking and there doesn't seem to be anybody else standing there. I can't think of anybody else that I would trust to do a better job. We have definitely a leadership deficit. No question about that. Yeah, um, it's a it's a tough, tough, tough job and it takes a certain kind of individual to do it. But our politics now is no longer a policy history thing. It's become a, a popularity contest. Well, yeah. Um, that too. Yeah. So, Tom? Anyway, you have everybody have a good weekend and somehow we'll have to just muscle our way through this. Okay. Thanks for your call. Have a good, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's go to Val in Toronto. Hello, Val. Yeah. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to comment that I have people who have, one person who tested positive was off work for a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, and they, uh, they're told that they don't have to get tested again. And they can come back to work even though they, they may test positive again. Now, if that's the case, the media should be explaining to, to the public that people who are testing positive after two weeks aren't, aren't lepers and they can come back to work. But are, really? Like, yeah. Uh, like I have notes from, from people who are, who have been, uh, who had COVID, uh, were off for two weeks and they have notes from public health saying, uh, don't get another test because you'll, you'll probably could test positive, but you're okay to come back to work. You're not contagious. But people, anybody, anybody who works with them are afraid to work with them if they're still showing positive. Well, I don't blame anybody for that. I've, I'm, you know, honestly, uh, it's hard for me to react to that. I'm not aware of it. And Val, there's some kind of really bad noise on your line, so I am going to let you go. Thanks for your call. Let's see if we have time for one more. Glenn in Guelph, uh, uh, I hope you can have your say in about 30 seconds. How's that? That's all I need. How are you today? Fine. How are you? <clears throat> um, I just want to make a comment that I was in the emergency services for 35 years, and I've got a family member who is an anti-masker, and I just don't understand it. You know, I don't <laughs> Neither understand do I. Get, it's just... and. He's actually so bad that he's actually, um, he won't even talk to his family anymore. Everybody has isolated him, and it's just, I just don't get it. Well, that's... So I would love I would love somebody to call in and try to explain that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a whole mindset, and I'm sorry you have to deal with that in your family. Yep. And, you know, we see them uh, doing their thing out sometimes. It, it, it leaves us shaking our heads, and I imagine yeah. it's not a very good thing to deal with in your family. No, absolutely not. And that gentleman that called in earlier that he was in the hospital with his wife, I felt so sorry for him. And, and uh, I wouldn't want that on anybody. Yeah. Okay, Glenn, uh, we are really out of time now. Thanks for your call. Okay. Uh, that's all the time we have for Fight Back for today and for this week. I'll be back here on Monday, and we will talk then. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.